0: Sleep in the dead of the night Trying to forget what I saw in your eyes Wondering how to make it all go away And if I could make it back to the way I was Promise I'd do everything I could I'm missing you now a little more every day I wish that you would run right into me We can get lost like a mystery now Nothing seems so far away To the way I was I promise I'd do everything I could I'm missing you now a little more every day I wish that you were
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And what you guys just heard was a snippet of our new song, Run Into Me, by our band The Stash. We just wanted to share that with you guys because, you know, we bring our band up so much on this show as it, it's a huge part of our personality. So thank you guys for letting us share that with you, and we really hope you
2: enjoyed it. Yeah, and back to business. We've got another great episode for you guys today. We've got Greg Shields from the band Cashed Out. This guy is a producer, songwriter, front man. He does it all, and he, you know, gives us a peek behind the curtain at how he really does it all and how he got there. And I had a great time talking to him.
1: Yeah, and we even brought up a lot about our future guest next week's guest Howie from Ballyhoo came up a lot on this episode so you guys are in for a real treat these dudes work together they know each other and I think this is going to be us giving you guys a little peek
2: into this uh this American reggae scene yeah and you know we can't get great guests like this on our podcast without the support from all you guys you know we I mean I never thought we'd have this many episodes so thank you guys so much for the support and if this is your first time listening we're everywhere podcasts can be found you know you can find us on all the social medias at talkin' podcast, T-A-L-K-I-N podcast. We also have an email, talking with Andrew and Chris at gmail.com. So just talk to us and let us know what you're thinking.
1: Yeah, we we'd love to hear from you. And and after this, we'll be right back with Always Vibin' by Cashed Out. guys, and uh, thanks again for being here. And we're live with Greg Shields of the band Cashed Out. Greg, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me.
1: Dude, of course. And I think it's, it's noteworthy for the guests to know that you actually bailed us out. We had someone else scheduled for today, and we had the studio time booked, and we just took a chance. We, we messaged you on Instagram, and you were really nice enough to just be like, yeah, let's do it. So, so thanks, man. We appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, thanks for keeping us from wasting a whole day.
3: <laughs> no problem. I'm always a good backup plan.
1: Yeah, dude. So I know you said you have a session later on today and you were sort of going to use this as like a little vocal warm up. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you got going on?
3: Uh, Yeah, I'm finishing the cashed out record that will be out sometime this summer. Um, I was supposed to already have this part finished, uh, but we just got off tour with the Expendables and, you know, life gets in the way. So I'm going to (laughs) finish.
1: Yeah, fair enough. That was the uh the winter blackout tour, right? That was. What was that, like a six week run?
3: Yeah, six weeks. It was like all over the country and in all the cold places.
2: That's insane. Six weeks is so <laughs> long. I I like I get so like exhausted after a week and a half on tour and there's only like three days left. I'm like, damn, can I go home now?
3: Oh yeah. We do we did a headliner that was like two months long and
2: Damn. So, so yeah, I mean,
1: I guess let's talk about Cashed Out because most of our audience, they come from that pop or like punk rock background. You guys are actually the first like reggae fusion style band. So why don't you like take us back um, to the start of your musical journey and sort of how Cashed Out came to be?
3: Well, it's funny. I actually was also in the pop and rock background. Uh, (laughs) um, I had a bunch of different bands that I was trying to do. Uh, just, I owned a studio and I was just making any kind of music that I could and seeing what sticks. And I had an artist that was, uh, that had brought in a session guitarist and that ended up being, uh, Jackson, who is our guitarist. And he was playing these like sweet riffs, uh, and I was like, please tell me you don't have any words over this stuff, because if you don't, we could make a band and we could, you know, if you put in the work, we could really get this thing moving pretty quickly. Because I, I had known I kind of had like a path paved already uh, from recording this band, Ballyhoo, who was signed to Pepper's label. And so I thought I could probably take that route, too. And he said he'd. Couldn't write lyrics to save his life, which is not true, but uh he uh he let me write some stuff with them, and then before we knew it, uh, I kind of accidentally ditched the project that I was working on at the time because I was so excited to work on on what became cashed out and um you know and we've just been going strong ever since.
1: Yeah, so that, so in other words, that first EP that you guys put out um, a, a little while ago, that was sort of like almost an unexpected surprise, a culmination of just being in the same place and meeting him through a client.
3: Yeah, that was that was the first, um, the first like four or five songs that we wrote, um, and we just put it out there so that we had something, and um, it it just kind of built from there. The songs have come a long way since then, but those those first few are are still classics to us.
1: Totally. I mean, I, I got off that first EP. Um, I, I felt like it was almost like more pop rock than it was reggae. More as so that rather now the band has transformed... In, in my listening opinion, where now you guys dip more into like the pop and rock section, and it was a little more reggae centered on, on the full length, as opposed to when it first started out, I can sort of maybe see that you were, you know, you didn't expect this project to happen, that you were just sort of writing pop and rock songs. Yes. So, so how, did, how did the reggae infusion come into, into play for you?
3: Well, at the time when we made our EP, I was writing, like I said, a lot of pop and that does it's funny you point that out cuz it it does show in, in that uh EP and then we kind of had decided like our songs are too fast you know they're like we just came in hot with the pop and we wanted to slow it down a little bit and get more vibe and we also had very little time in the studio to To make that EP, it was kind of like, if this is going to get done, it's got to get done like within this small time frame. You know how it goes being in a band. Mm -hmm. And uh, this uh, for the hookup, uh, which is the album that came after, uh, we spent like a year and a half on it. And so we kind of got to put a lot more of our reggae influences in it. And then on this record that we're doing now, it's even more reggae, but still has some pop to it. Um but we got our um keyboard player, Nick, and we got him shortly after we finished the hookup. So but he's been a huge part, like keys are major in reggae. Um and it took a while to find him. But we found him and we snagged him, and now he's been a huge influence on this next record. So it's going to sound like us, but also nothing like us.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if you um had the time to check out our music at all, but we have had sort of a very crazy journey. We, we actually started off, and I wanted to do sort of like an Ed Sheeran style thing. And like a ska, ska style thing. But what really hurt us is that like our area and we've we've spoken to a bunch of people from the Orlando area and you guys are so lucky. I don't know if you realize this, but like from our town, it's sort of like at our age, we're like in our like mid 20s now. The people that are left making music are the only people there. And there's like eight of us. So us trying to do a reggae band, you know, we didn't have a keyboard player, we didn't have horns, And, and I would write and I'd be like, fuck man, I hear these
2: awesome keys here, I hear these awesome horns here, how do you do that, you know? Plus it's not even like we could go out and play with other reggae bands because the only other bands that were in our area all play together and all sound the same anyway. Yeah, we come from like a <laughs>
1: shoegazy, like sort of like a grungy scene, which is cool.
2: Oh, it's great, but it's just like me I, when when you wanted
1: to play and expand your musical palette and dip into the ska. You know, I'm a punk guy, so for me, it would have been ska a little less of like the roots reggae. But it just it wasn't it wasn't possible. Yeah, it so. kind
2: of it probably lucked out for us though, because to be a reggae bass player, you have to be way better at bass than I am. <laughs> yeah, totally. Man. I would have I would have dragged us down.
3: Well, it's funny when we got our bass player. So Jackson was like. uh I said, hey, we're gonna need some more members. Do you know anybody? He says, I know this guy in Maryland. And I was like, Well that ain't gonna work. And he, he says, Well, it will, because he'll probably just move down here. He'll be all about it. he's got amazing stage presence. And so I called him and I said, Hey man, can you play reggae bass? And he goes, Yeah, man, ones and fives all day. <laughs> and he got the job that's all it took i was like i, I mean thought he's about right it i was like yeah i guess it is ones and fives <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense
2: yeah when you simplify it i guess <laughs>
3: Yeah. so that's how that's how he got the job but i totally i totally feel you on that like the musician you got to have like a bunch of musicians that that you can go through that all have the same mindset and you to sift through that in your in one small part of your town is really difficult. That's why finding Nick with keyboard players our our dilemma was nobody played reggae keys and nobody and, and if they did they're like gospel players and getting paid a lot more playing for churches and stuff than than we could pay them. You know, we hadn't even gotten off the ground yet. Right. So to you're like dedicated people I got super super lucky with my guys and my band they are they're all just 100% down for the cause and you know and as long as I keep the machine moving and, and giving them you know opportunities that that feel good to them that that you know outweigh maybe what they're not making financially then you know that they, then they're happy to do it so that's, that's kind of my goal and everything is to keep the wheels turning.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's too true because, you know, like with us, we just signed to an indie label and, and, th- you know, everyone, a part of our team now is super stoked and super enthusiastic, but we, it's still just, it's still an independent label, you know, like people might assume that the resources we now have are endless and limitless, but like, None of us are going to see money off this, probably for quite some time. You know, this is yeah. going to be. It's a grind. It's going to be a grind. And so, for you to have such a large band and be able to have all these people on the same page, what do you guys have, like six members now?
3: Uh, there's five. And then, well, basically, so, and then we have our video guy who travels with us, our sound guy who travels with us. And so, I think there's seven total that are all the time.
1: So you guys have like, you have a pretty dedicated team that is in it for the long haul, for the, the payout that will happen after all of the hard work, which is, I think, in a, in a sense, a testament to the Orlando area, you know, because like we said, we're like pretty much the last five guys in our town who want to really try and take this thing and, and give it one last shot, you know? So, so what, what was it like for you is, I guess, what I'm trying to ask for someone who has more options. Is it, is it almost harder to find that team? Because it's still a grind, no matter how you start at this level.
3: Well, I I think it like even being in Orlando. I came from a a scene that was not reggae at all, you know. And when the when the scene was when the Orlando music scene was in its prime, it was all pop rock and pop punk. We had bands like uh, There for Tomorrow had just gotten signed to Hopeless and that was cool for like the locals to see and be like wow somebody made it out of Orlando and then, and there was bigger bands happening like in radio um i i believe shine down came from Orlando
2: oh nice <laughs> that's such a cool flex for florida uh,
3: yeah and well and then the big thing was that um the A&R who signed shine down and paramore his name is Steve Robertson and he works for Atlantic Records, and he was in Orlando, so everybody kind of wanted to pitch to him, and and everybody was, you know, if you had Steve-O at your show, it was a big deal. And um, that everything was kind of centered around that, at least on the industry side. And musician-wise, it was just anything goes, man. If the people were just trying to get on Warp Tour and doing that, pop rock stuff i got into reggae because my manager at the time had who had discovered us was managing valley who and you know they were from maryland they weren't from florida or orlando at all my manager just happened to be so he was like let's you know you could write for other people i had a pop rock band called shut up and dance that like didn't work we we you know, we had that guy Steve-O out and we, you know, thought we were we were uh, showcasing for all these majors. And, but it just, we kind of put the cart before the horse. We had good songs, but the band just wasn't ready. And I started using that it, with my manager, using that knowledge that we learned to develop other artists. And that's how it kind of became... A, a thing for me was that I was just started writing for other artists and then pitching and some of them ended up after I did Ballyhoo. There was a band called Resonated and they were from St Petersburg, and there's a band called Kaya Vibe who was signed to the super villains label, and the super villains actually I gotta give a shout out to the super villains because they were their the main like reggae draw in Orlando, and they really gave us a chance, man. They put us on a bunch of their shows. And that really helped boost everything for Cashed Out. Even even still does. Um, so it really does help to have like at least one other band in your genre uh, to team up with and and really like get people out to the shows.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you had you know your hands in a lot of different things coming up to when Cashed Out started. Did you feel like you kind of? like, fell into being in a band? Like, I guess more what I'm trying to ask is, like, do you feel that you're kind of a producer who's also in a band or, like, this singer-songwriter in a band who is also a producer?
3: Well, my producing came from wanting to be in the band. I mean, uh, so before I had cashed out and I had Shut Up and Dance, I wasn't the front man. I was just writing the songs and playing rhythm guitar and singing backup vocals and i hated that at the time you know i it was an ego thing i'll admit but i just hated writing these songs and then here's this girl who's got some phenomenal pipes and she's getting like all this attention from these songs and i'm writing them and and it was a hard pill to swallow uh, when I was showcasing, and uh, I think it was actually like the guitarist of uh, Matchbox 20 was at our show in Nashville, and he was like, I'd really just like to see you rocking on guitar, because at the time I wasn't, we were doing like a dual front person thing. and it Like, I'd like to see you rocking on guitar, or fronting your own band. And I'm like, well, we're showcasing for this label and that label. I'm not about to just go off and try to do my own thing. So I had to swallow my pride a little bit. And because I was writing all those songs when that band broke up, it was like, hey, do this for this person. And and really, my next client became Ballyhoo. And when Ballyhoo got signed, also to an indie label, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Pepper. Of course. Um, So Pepper has a label called Law Records. And uh, when that record kind of took off, it was inspiring to me. It was like, wow, here I am been chasing record deals this whole time. And, uh, you know, I write this, I co-write this record, uh, and it, and it got one, you know, I was like, I, if they'll sign that, like they gotta sign me at some point, you know, and like why wouldn't they, I'm already making them money. And, so. you know, I just have to put all the ducks in a row. So it all makes the rest of it makes sense. And then I had to learn like, what it takes to you know for a a label to be like yeah I'll
1: spend money on this so it seems oh I'm sorry go ahead
3: I mean I was was just feeling it you know
1: (laughs) yeah no I mean it's so it seems like to me that you were smart enough to walk through the doors that were open while always having a plan in your back pocket to be like an artist yourself to have the focus on your band yourself but you weren't there wasn't you know the ego didn't get in the way where it's like well I don't want to write songs with someone else I want to be my own thing you were smart enough it seems to you know sort of take any opportunity you got
2: yeah it's kind of like nothing was really given to you you saw the opportunity and then you took it before not like necessarily before someone else but you know you didn't waste any time and you just did what you needed to do yeah are, are
1: we saying that correctly I mean or how do you, how do you feel yeah. about
2: that
3: yeah, well, I was really chasing – I had – um, once I, like, got into the industry side of things where, um, you know, I had managers in, in that were introducing me to these major label uh, A&Rs, and I felt a sense of pride knowing that, oh, I know this person at this label, and I know this person at this label, and what could I make? So that, because not a lot of people, that's like half the struggle right there is like knowing who to send your stuff to. And nobody accepts unsolicited emails. And it's it you really got to be kind of like in. You have in to have your foot
2: in the door already.
3: Yeah. And so I took pride in that and I wanted to use that. I knew it wasn't easy to to get those contacts, so I didn't want to waste them. So I, we had this management firm that was that's. Here in Orlando, uh, called Fly South, and they manage uh, a Data remember, and Paramore, and a bunch of bigger acts um, in the like in the Warped Tour world. And I was constantly writing like heavy music because that's what I thought was the quickest and easy. I had the closest relationship to them, so they would tell me what they liked, what they didn't like, what I could fix it. And they'd say, do this, this, and this, and come back to me and see where we're at. And I cherished that. I, I needed, you know, I needed to f- make the best use of the of that contact. And so, But I had always said, hey, I want to do, I know that reggae worked. You know, this heavy stuff is is cool, but like what I ended up doing was finding bands that were a uh, too uh, I was too old for. Like they wanted that, that genre it's like you gotta be young, you gotta you gotta be skinny and, and you gotta be <laughs> you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of haters and you can't you give the image. much to hate on. Yeah. And in reggae I found you could be old, you could be fat, it doesn't matter, it's all love it's It's just about you know it's about the music and the vibe and 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 just feeling it and the the community is a lot nicer and a lot more forgiving um so i I knew that I wanted to make a reggae band, and I just didn't know how I was gonna do it and then the moment that I heard Jackson playing those riffs, I was like, This is it, and the plus side was that he was from Maryland where ballyhoo was from so he was already stoked to be in the studio that ballyhoo recorded at
1: totally man um so basically for for me you know, it's funny you say this. I was in a band on Victory Records. I was in one of those, those I, I like to say, sceney-weeny post-hardcore bands. I was the clean singer.
2: That was a very like, good yeah. way of putting it.
1: <laughs> and yeah. and so I had a few connections in that Warp Tour world. That's sort of what our scene was like. Uh, from Poughkeepsie, New York, we had Matchbook Romance. We had Just Surrender. There was a few bands that sort of, like, you know, you said, There for Tomorrow, we got to see them as young kids. I got to yeah. see those bands go on and play the Warp Tour and do that thing. Yeah. So it was sort of like after that whole scene phase, I had fallen in love with like the sweetness of a melody and I had lost all of that aggression and that sort of love for the heavy music. But the people that I was like trying to help me get back on my foot with, they were like, well, hey, man, if you want me to work with you again, it has to be this heavy music again or it's not going to happen. So I totally know what that's like. And it is a bit scary sort of like stepping away from your comfort zone and just following your heart. But I, I think it seems like it's working out for you. You know, um, that reggae band, look at you guys now, you know, flash forward, you're signed to Law Records, you're about to put out your second album, that label's owned by Pepper, who are pretty notable in that scene, so...
2: Definitely well known.
1: You know, like, like with that being said, like, what advice do you have for someone who was sort of pigeonholed into a certain style and, and wants to take the same journey as you did?
3: I would say, because I actually do a lot of um, artist development, and... Um, You know, I work with local bands who are trying to get opportunities. And if I can help them, I help them. But it's pretty much, you got to know who your audience is. Know who you're trying to appeal to. And I knew when I heard it, I was like, yes, this is going to fit in this mold and in this world. And I have people in this world. And this is it. And plus, I really like smoking weed. So it was like it. it (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that that does make it easy. I have seen a couple
1: bong rips by you in your music videos. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So, um, but like, you just got to know what it is that you're going after. If it's a label, know everything about that label and find out who they're signing and why. And if it's about, you know, a lot of the law records bands, it's about the hustle. I met them on Warp Tour. You know about that Warp Tour hustle, you know it. And dude, honestly, half of the success from Cashed Out is from that Warp Tour mentality that I brought into the reggae world. And not a lot of people were doing it because they're not from the Warp Tour world, so they don't know that you you know. If you go to a festival, that you should hold up signs and tell everybody your set time so that you can get more people there you know it's things that you know or like the cd hustle we went out and it was actually made a parade who inspired me to go on a bunch of warp tours and sell my cd they sold like ten thousand copies of their album um, just by having a van full of people out of warp tour selling their cds so i i was like i want to do that and i started doing that and then now warp tours no more. I take that hustle over to the to the reggae uh festivals, and we're the only ones out there doing it <laughs> so warp tour you got a, you got a, you got a whole line of people who are out there doing it but in these festivals you know and there's like you know twelve thousand people at some of them and you only got one person out there advertising themselves or one band and Uh, that is really, it's about the grind and knowing like, okay, we want to accomplish this goal. It's obtainable. All we have to do is go to this concert and stand outside with a sign or maybe get inside and try to sneak your material in. And, and it's just strategic, little strategic goals that, that, you know, you can achieve and you know what you're trying to achieve. If you're, if it's a, if it's a label you want, find out who runs that label how do you get their attention for me it was pepper i knew that uh pepper was going to be on the warp tour with Ballyhoo and when Ballyhoo asked me to come hustle their CDs then i i knew okay at some point i'm going to get to to go with pepper i am going to have to i'm going to sit down with pepper and i can be like hey i i am already making you some money you want to hear this <laughs> you know you want to <laughs> Do you, you want to hear this record? And I, I think you'll you really like it. And thank God they did. And it was and it was less than Jake, who was also on the Warp tour, who actually invited us on the on the first tour that we ever went on, which was Pepper and Less Than Jake. It was a co-headliner, and wow. we ha- we just happened to have a show right after the Warp tour, that was Less Than Jake's hometown show, and they had seen me out there hustling ballyhoo stuff and then here they get home and not even a week later and i'm on the streets of gainesville selling the tickets uh in, for their show and so they're like hey you know we're going on tour with with pepper you ever thought about doing that and i was like can you please tell them that because i just saw them <laughs> <laughs> I the and it was actually less than Jake and you think it's pepper because we signed their label, but it was less than Jake who, who really extended that offer to us and and put that in the, in the universe for us. And, and it's, it's, they respect that hustle and they've told that are just so nice. And they're just like, just after the end of the tour, they're like, just keep doing exactly what you're doing and
2: that's that's funny because it's it's almost like it's one of those like no duh kind of moments like even in not the music industry like when you're just applying for a job like sometimes you you know you're like oh I don't know why this person has to call me back and sometimes it's just that they're waiting for you to call them and be like hey just wondering if you know you got whatever I sent you and they just want to see that you want it so I feel like that's like that's the problem with a lot of people today is that because it's so accessible to get all this stuff and you can put your music out there and all that stuff they don't They just put it out there and they're like, well, someone's going to hit me up and like it and then I'll be famous. It's like, no, you got to get in front of those people. And then after you get in front of those people, get in front of them again so that they remember you and keep seeing you. And they're like, oh, this kid wants it. So if I throw some money at him, he's going to use the money and actually do something with it.
3: Yeah, I, I did get, now that you say that, I did get really lucky with Shut Up and Dance. It was, this was when like MySpace was just coming out. And we put a a demo, not even like a full-blown recording. This was – and I would never do that now. I would never post a demo. <laughs> uh, it wasn't acceptable. But at this time, you know, I guess it kind of was, or I just didn't know what I was doing. And we posted a demo, and within a week, we had Victory hit us up and um, a couple other majors, and it was – I think it was because we had a a female vocalist, strong female vocalist and Paramore was like blowing the fuck up at that point. (laughs) Uh, So I, you know, we got really lucky in that sense. And if you don't have those contacts, like, yeah, it can be, it can be really hard. I have people that offer me like thousands of dollars to pitch to my contacts. I'm like, I can't, I can't do
4: that. <laughs> yeah,
2: spend it's not, it's not that easy. Time.
3: Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, and I tell them spend the money in studio time. Let's get your songs to the point where they're stoked on them and spend the money there because that's where it really starts. A good song it is everything. It's everything. You can't, you can have the hardest work hustle in the world, but if you're hu- if you're just hustling a turd, then
2: <laughs> then it doesn't matter how polished it is; yeah, it still yeah, smells exactly. like shit. Yeah,
3: it's still a turd, right? You, you just got it's. It all starts in the studio and get like respected opinions. I think that that's also big.
2: Yeah, you want to sell something that you would buy. Yeah, and then you know
3: it, it's like bands are trying to have you know there's headstrong people that are just like i want to play this like your guy who was like oh it's got to be heavy music well did he have a reason why
1: (laughs) i I think it was just because you know it had worked the first time so he figured it might be the easiest way to like sort of suck up the remains of what was you know the ashes of what was just recently get a head
2: start almost
1: yeah which i don't believe in that i think it's got to come from the heart but you know
3: yeah I mean, the Head Start thing, I understand it. I did, you know, that's why I did want to get into reggae to begin. I I did like the music, don't get me wrong. I I was highly influenced by Sublime and Slightly Stupid and, um, you know, Eka Mouse back in the day, even. And I didn't even really know who those bands were, but my friends did. And they were the ones playing it. So I knew I liked certain songs. And, you you know, you got to go with what speaks to you. But it's it's also when you when you see a path in front of you and you're like, well, I can do this. And if it's a management team or a label, you know, I I get that, I get that side of things, I guess. But yeah, it start it really starts with the music. That's the part that I can't stress enough.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's almost like Chris's musical journey of like, you know, you want to do what you want to do, but you also try to do what you can do. Like he went from hardcore to like like indie folk to like folk rock, to reggae rock, to pop rock, to like straight up pop. So it's like you follow what your heart wants to do, but then you also realize you're good at something and you're like, oh, all of a sudden my heart wants this too. Yeah, Greg, I
1: mean, (laughs) let me tell you, man, I never ever once in my life thought that I would put the guitar down and pick a synth up. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) flash forward five years and we're here with edm drops and and i couldn't feel any happier the the thousandth time i've listened to those songs you know what i mean it's yeah it's just so and that's why i really love what you just said because like a lot of the audience of this podcast i think it's it's sort of like listeners who are artists themselves because me what do i do i listen to i listen to people like us talk people even ahead of us because i want to learn you know i want to soak up why they got to where they're at. So, I think what you just said might be the most beneficial little tidbit of advice we've ever gotten on this show. Yeah, this is a very selfish podcast
2: for us. We're just sucking up all the information our guests give us.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're here to learn, man. We're, we're 100%. I think you should never stop being a student, especially in the music industry, because like mm-hmm. I think when, uh, you know, five years ago, I didn't know that like there would be EDM drops all over the radio. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Yeah, when
2: Skrillex came out, I was like, "There's no way that this is gonna be like where music keeps going because this is weird." Dude, I was on that train too. I and I, I recorded
3: with uh, where from first to last recorded.
2: (laughs) Oh, nice!
1: (laughs) Hell yeah, man!
3: I was like, "There's no fucking way." (laughs) In in fact, my my band, um, members of my band, made "Sleeping with Sirens" uh, and. It it was like after so I was in this band called Broadway. It was a heavier band,
1: and oh, I, um, do you know Mark Cortez? We just had him on the show. Um, he he played he, and uh, Sean from a band called Hungover in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just talking to those guys, and Broadway came up literally last episode. So that's a wow. uh, small world. Yeah, sorry, small I just world. wanted to. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah, of course we know Broadway.
3: Yeah, I I was in Broadway way back in the day before they were in the little limelight that they got um, and I left because they, it appeared to me that they didn't want to tour. They had a guitarist at the time who had gotten this really good job at Ruth's Chris. He still works there to this day Uh, and he's like running shit over there. So obviously a good career path for him probably would have been way more lucrative than touring. So I get it now. But at the time I was like, well, I got to scoot then if the, if this is not where we're heading. Um, but they, it, and that happened to a couple of different guys and then they ended up making sleeping with sirens. And then my bass player for shut up and dance, who was also the bass player of Broadway. Um, he got the offer to be in that band. and I talked him out of it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, dude, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to hit man. We're, we need to pop stuff, you know? And, i couldn't have been more wrong yeah <laughs> more happens. more power to to those guys because they're you know they're still out there killing it and and it was a, it was a big like you know eye opener of like wow and then and then at this about the same time as when all that skrillex stuff was going down and i was like dubstep <laughs> what yeah and, and now it's it's huge.
2: It's <laughs> yeah. It's, I was, I was like, I got enough of this from bands like enter Shikari and now there's artists. that are only doing that one part of those songs for the whole song. Like no thanks. But now like, I'll admit it. I still jam Skrillex recess album to this day. That album's a jam.
3: It, yeah. And don't get me wrong. It was, it was good. And when I look at it now compared to like some of else, well, uh, what else is being released in that world, um, I really appreciate it. And, and I appreciated it then. It was just confusing. I was like, "Right, what do you mean, Sonny is doing this?" <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was a, that was a talking point in my high school for you sure.
3: He can't, can't just do
2: that, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah. First to last, like what, what you know? And it, it was a it from coming up and like being amped on the fact that you recorded in the same place and like,
2: yeah, absolutely.
3: Those little things that motivate you and keep you you know, oh man, we saved up enough money to work with this producer and he'll probably get assigned and that never happens. But, uh, you know, you think it is and that drive really keeps you going. And dude, I don't
2: remember where we were going with this, but (laughs) (laughs) that's all right. We find it. We find the end along the way.
1: Yeah, totally. And, you know, I I think, um, I think that, that, you know, it, it kind of makes sense then listening to your music because you know your guitar player he it's almost like he's from Motley Crue dude the way he rips a solo but then there are songs to me that they don't even feel reggae they they feel super soul on um on the hookup and it's just sort of like you know, like you guys are such a culmination and I guess it's all centered around reggae, but it, it really does make sense now listening to the music before this episode, you know, to to learn who you are and what you bring. And and now is that something you're going to like, let's talk about this new album, you know, is that something that you guys plan on doing or or do you even discuss this stuff? Do you just let it flow naturally? Like what, what's the creative process been for the new record?
4: Well,
3: for this new one, I have to admit it's been super different from... Anything I've done in the past, and I, there's a lot of things that I, I, I'm not displeased with the results of them, but I still will just won't do again. Um, is so, for example, um, I didn't, I wasn't even present for the tracking of everything except for the vocals um, because I was working for a Stick Figure. Which is like the biggest band in our genre, right now. Um,
1: yeah, no, they're really rad.
3: Yeah, I they were in town and they had a you know they needed somebody to like run them around and uh, they knew that I lived here, so they're like, well, you know, come do that. So I had already booked that before we had booked the particular block of studio time, and I I wasn't going to back out of it you know and and leave them hanging so i did it i was also right in the middle of building my my studio inside of a a fifth wheel and i was like right on the cusp of finishing that and that's it, it was just a really hectic time in my life so i could i couldn't be in the studio so i just trusted my dudes uh, and that part I'll, I'll always do. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'll never trust my guys to go in there without me. They handle it. They they are better musicians than I am. Um, and I, you know, sent them in there, to book the time. I sent them in with the engineer, and that was that was it. And I was hearing things like when I'm tracking the vocals in my camper studio, uh, that it was like I was hearing them for the first time. And so it was like, t- it was jarring in some parts. It was really sweet in others. Um, but it just like took some time to get used to things that I, what wasn't expecting to hear, you know, you know, when you're in a studio, you could get some ideas and, you, you know, start messing with tones and get a lot, of all kinds of inspiration. And um, so I wasn't there for that process. And that's the part that I'll, probably never do again because i didn't like being so jarring or jarred f- from the differences and then um trying to sing over there i had to cram everything into a small amount of time i that's why i, I like i said i have to when we're done here i got to finish the vocals <laughs> uh because we have more, Yeah, it's like it, I just wouldn't do it that way. And then now we're mixing with the guy who mixed Sublime, um, Paul Leary. Um, and he's awesome. Um, his process is a little different than I am used to. He does not like anybody in the room and we've been going back and forth on emails um to on mixes. So I got like, you know, thirty-eight mixes of one song. 42 of another and going back and forth mixing that way uh is different for me it's very very thorough <laughs> um which i like that part so now i'm like into it and but we're like coming down you get, you know it gets a, it gets exhausting for on both ends really trying to listen to s- that many songs that many times um trying to pick it apart and make sure it's perfect
1: yeah, well, there's you know there's always a layer of stress because it's it's your baby, it's your product, and and you want it to be perfect. Also, your ears get tired, you know. Mm-hmm. That's something that I find because um, because we're actually in a bit of a different situation here, and I don't want to keep it too much longer. I know we're coming to the end, but we are very fortunate enough. Whereas our band, one of the members in our band, is an engineer, and he's super gracious enough to let us be in the studio every day, pretty much. Whereas that gets difficult is, do you spend too much time on one song because you have the time, or do your ears get too tired, you know? So I can yeah. totally understand and, that. And then
2: after you work on all those songs, it's like, yeah, I like it, but then it's like, is this just something I like? Is this something they're going to like? Does that even matter? Do I need to like worry about that kind of thing? It's like, oh my gosh. Well,
3: with, with our band, Nick, our keyboard player, also doubles as my engineer for these pre-production sessions I hold with bands because I will write um, the top line, just like the lyrics and melody with bands, And then I need somebody to do everything else. And he's my guy. Um, and then for this album, wh- that was like crucial to have the ability to have an, but even if a, it's like, you're not mixing with that person, but somebody who can creatively get the juices going very quickly and like whip up, you know instrumentals or just help you get the right tones quickly that's such a a crucial move Uh, we were able to go and go to the beach and, and just whip up some songs and then come back to those and then like revisit them and rewrite them and do all this stuff having an engineer in your band is is an excellent idea uh, I would almost say make it a requirement if you
1: can. <laughs> oh, dude, trust Absolutely. us. It's, I, I think it took the process of of where where I was in the aftermath of like you know essentially failing to to getting back on my feet. I think that it may have not have
2: happened if if Sweet Tea never uh, joined the band. So yeah, if there was no Sweet Tea, this would have taken another maybe five years probably to get yeah, to where we're at. Which now. at that point, it's like, and it took us maybe less than a year to get here. Yeah. So
1: but but the last thing, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you got you guys have to go finish up that album, but I, I just want to ask this because we haven't spoken to anyone who's on who's on their second album, their sophomore album, and I'm sure you've heard that there's sort of the whole, you know, the sophomore album, it's like the big stressful record, you know. Um I stress about just thinking about if we'll even get there. Yeah. Let alone let alone being there. So can you offer us some insight? Because it seems like you took this is the first time in your writing process that it wasn't the way it normally was, and around an hour album that that sometimes has sort of like this like heavy uh, connotation to it. Like how's how's that been handling that?
3: Uh, it, it is very stressful trying to we made an amazing first record and it's really hard to like just say, OK, this is this is as good as that or better. You know, all you can do is put your best foot forward and hope that your fans are supportive enough to where they're gonna get it and you also try to evolve and that going back on your other question about the record this this album has like a little i i would say that there's if you look at it this way there could be a, a brother or a sister song to each of the songs from the last album but there's also songs with elements that we you know we collaborated with. With different people. Um, we collaborated with the the bass player of Dirty Heads, who has his own production thing going on. Um, and so there's like a West Coast hip hop element to some of the songs. Um, and we've never done that before. And so we're giving people a little bit of something new. It's new. It's outside of the box for us. And I think Dirty Heads are a really great Um, example of that. I don't know if you listen to them, but they started off like acoustic, kind of reggae, and then they they implemented the hip hop. Uh, They always had a little bit of hip hop, but they got more, you know, beat based. And but they've always just they've done what they want and what they felt was their best representation. And even when people were like, "Oh, go back to your old stuff," they stuck to their guns, and they give them a little bit of the old, but they. It's it's your band. And that at the end of the day to save you from the stress, you gotta say, This is this is our band. This is the music that we're giving them. And if they don't like it, like you can't just try to please everybody. Everyone's a critic. You know, it's just you just gotta make the best product that you are stoked on because you were stoked on the first one and they loved it. You know, hopefully. Damn, man, too too true. You know, it's like if you did it once, you can do it again. And if it fails, you're going to make another. There's going to be a third as long as you're sticking with your plan. And at this point, I love the songs that we've made. And I love the product that we've made. And as long as we get up there and we show that we're loving it when we're playing it, it's infectious, especially in the reggae world. Uh, that's what people come to do. They just come to, to show their love, to give love, and to get love, and and that's that's just what it's all about. And I feel like we're gonna get the same amount of love that we got, if not more, because we've been out there grinding and, and meeting people. Yeah, and it's it it doesn't suck.
2: <laughs> well, that's good.
1: I don't doubt it, man. I don't doubt it. Yeah, I'm very I mean, excited to hear I it.
2: mean, I can't imagine that it's going to be anything that no one's going to like, especially if the reggae scene is exactly as you've described it, which, as far as I can tell, is pretty spot on. I think everyone's going to be very, you know, into it. And I haven't heard a bad song from you guys yet, but uh, it looks like we're pretty much at the end of the episode now. Thank you again, Greg, for coming on. Super stoked to talk to you. I learned so much today.
1: Yeah, dude. We, we really do appreciate it so much. And uh, b- before we let you out of here, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find Cashed Out, and when they can start to expect to see some new announcements and news.
3: Uh, You can find us at our, our what do you call those social media handles? Yeah, that's like, the one. At Cashed Out Music K-A-S-H-D-O-U-T Music and uh our tour dates are always on our website at com. we are definitely going on tour uh in the summer we'll be announcing that very very soon it'll probably probably already be announced by the time this comes out but i'm not sure on that so i can't
2: give fingers you fingers crossed but, yeah we'll, we'll play it safe
3: yeah, <laughs> and the album will be coming out you're going to hear about it that's the, i don't have to tell you where to go because i know <laughs> that, if we got connected for this, then everyone's going to already be seeing it because uh, our marketing team is on point. So
1: True. Hell yeah, man. And the last thing we ask of you is we always like to play a song by the artist at the end of the show. What song would you like people to hear from you guys right now?
3: Oh, um, do you have to keep it censored in any way?
1: No, 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 whatever
2: you want.
3: Well, we just dropped a song called Weed Man. Uh, featuring Ed Lee Shine of Born Americans.
2: Yes, it's a banger. And
3: it's it really is, man. It's kind of an ode to the you know the the guy behind the scenes risking his livelihood so that you can get your reefer.
2: That's true. Cool. I quick. I have a friend of mine who does do that, and he told me last week that he got stabbed, and he's done doing that. And I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't yeah. want to get stabbed over weed either, so I we'll understand. Who
3: stabbed, shot, arrested? Yeah, all that. Yeah, there's a lot, and you know, this one's just a kind of a thank you to that guy. I hope your buddy's okay. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah I hope so too. Well, thank you for coming on again, and without further ado, here's Weed Man by Cashed Out.
5: In come the tinker, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. 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 I'm the original yeah. of weed yeah. man. Big made by the rock. Yeah. 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 I'm up in Cashed Out. See me here, knocking at your front door ready All type of streets, cause you know me think plenty 300 acres in a humble county Have my license, so me no free that federally Them legalize the herbs, so you can burn it up front We now sell you no reggie, we no give you no song. Put the cushion on your grinder, roll yourself a good blunt Red eyes of your eye for your Strictly cash for delivery. We put the package on our drone, and get it rapidly. So you walk through and make your